0: Well, there it is. Um, how are you doing today, James? Good morning, Christopher. I'm well, and yourself?
1: Good, good. Before we start, I just wanted to tell you something. What do you got? So, the other day we were talking on our show, we... I, other, For those that don't know, we we do a little quick little podcast once in a while called Pop Sub where we just basically we pick a popular subject and we just chat about it really quick, like 15 minutes, just a quick like first impression view of it. And um, so anyways, I'd like to talk on our next show about this thing I saw because you said to me the other day that because I have never worn a dress, I should try it at least (laughs) Once I can't believe you. I don't really believe that you haven't worn a dress. <laughs> and I said, if, I don't know if you remember, but I said, well, I wouldn't mind. and I've actually always wanted to try. A, uh, do you pronounce it kilt or kilt? Kilt. kilt. Don't, kilt. Be, oh, don't be kilt. a crazy person. Yeah, I am a crazy person. Anyways, I've always wanted to try one of those. Let's see if it was. I felt manly, you know, like uh, Braveheart style.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good luck with that.
1: Well, Anyway, so I'm cruising... Did he, did, through, oh, sorry, go ahead. So I'm cruising through the internet and I, this is why I always think Google listens to me when I'm talking because when have you ever seen that subject matter come up on the internet and all of a sudden we're talking about it and I'm talking about it at the house and it shows up on my... Anyways. It, comes up in the, it came up in the news a little <laughs> oh, while ago. Oh, it did? Christopher, yeah.
0: you are crazy.
1: Uh, well, anyways, there's these two guys, Sam and Graham, and they do this whole show. I really want... To review the show
0: and then talk about it next time <laughs> okay uh, so you want me to watch a show about men wearing dresses
1: just be a man and wear a dress
0: so you this you, is what you, you want so that you admit that those are dresses well it, it, no they're kilts I mean I'm I mean be, if you're going to call uh, them dresses I'm being, you could call them miniskirts I'm I'm <laughs> well they're not mini skirts. they're not like high above the knee they're usually at the knee <laughs> that's I guess I don't know I've never worn one I think they're usually at the it sounds knee. like you have I have not worn a kilt. I don't. Okay, not to go uh, braveheart on you. You know, here's the thing: I don't like kilts and I don't like jeans. There are a lot of normal th- or people. I I dislike a lot of things that are very popular. Is it the Is it the wool? <laughs> I love wool. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's one of the things that draws me to it. And and I have seen some videos, uh, survivalist videos, about guys who wear what are called great kilts, which yeah, it it ends it terminates in the. Bottom part, which is a skirt-like device, but it um, it wraps around. You know, they wrap it around and around and around. It's it's kind of like it, it's a survival tool because you mean like they a, can, a really long bath towel? It, yeah, they can. They can <laughs> well, they unwrap it and they can use it uh, as like a sleeping bag, basically. Well, you know, or, I said war, right? Well, you said what? Y- y- you know why I made the comment about the wool? No, what the scratching is?
1: Well, in Braveheart, they don't wear anything under. So I, my question is, what do you wear
0: underneath one of those? <laughs> loin cloth, obviously. <laughs> do you own a loin cloth? No, of course not. Don't be silly. Uh, and What exactly a is track? a loincloth? cloth? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's just another... Something that covers your loins. <laughs> or maybe a cloth made from loins. Who knows? Do you need a who, long who line or not? short
1: line? That's my question
0: <laughs> I, I need the Italian size <laughs> but I, you know what I don't I don't know anything about the Italian size no you don't Just I mean obviously you've already distracted me but did you did you like Braveheart the movie? well, Yes, because
1: at that time I had never seen a movie that was so graphically real. Since then, there's been tons of movies like that, but that particular one—it was the first time I ever saw a sword actually hack somebody's limb off in the
0: Excalibur. Yeah, many, many, many times, but it wasn't quite the same. No, it It, wasn't quite the same. But it was—you know—I remember like the first opening scene is a guy has his arms like hacked off.
1: Yeah, but I have to admit. I love that movie, by the and way. And there was
0: Conan the Barbarian, which was more graphic, I think. I mean, there were graphic movies. I didn't. I guess my point. Well, there's also
1: Monty Python too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, with a Black Knight. Yeah, and the blood just keeps coming really, out. He's he keeps hacking his limbs off, and he keeps trying to fight. It didn't really seem like a real thing. Though. <laughs> I I think they fake that. <laughs> I don't think they actually. I don't think they actually cut the Black Knight's legs off. I think that was faked. The marvels of movie making, <laughs> uh, to, but okay, switching gears. No, 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 no. no. Okay, go I, ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, the point I wanted to make was yeah. I disliked Braveheart, but why? Because I felt like it was totally over the top. It was so. I thought that's why it was surreal though. No, 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 not not. And I I appreciated that they tried to get into the roots of it, you know, really dig down and kind of show you, kind of introduce you more to the what this this life side would have been, but. It was just so over the top emotionally, and it was overwrought. Overwrought is what I, how I would describe it. Well, another
1: thing we were talking about once, um, after being in dumbbell reading for years, I all of a sudden tested into it <laughs> advanced literature at some point in my high school career. Anyways, and we were reading a lot of um, like King Arthur legend type stuff mm-hmm. and, and medieval, the teacher was into that. And, and that's the beginning of most literature in English anyways is during that time period, I mean. Was it? Ch- uh, Chaucer. Chaucer. Thank you. Anyways. And, um, but my point was, is that those books are, can be pretty graphic. And what, they describe can happen it was pretty graphic, but you never really saw it in movies. I mean, I used to love Robin Hood style movies and swashbuckler movies hmm. and the guy always dies and you only know it because yeah. you see the shadow on the wall. Or, you know, he, there's never any blood. And, or right. There's r- rarely blood. And then th- when I saw Braveheart, I'm like, okay, so that's what war is really like at that time. I mean, they always show m- medieval movies where the guy rides on the, the, the pretty beautiful horse. Right. That's not, those horses, you think of a Clydesdale. That's the kind of horse that can hold, you know, 300 pound man with a 300 pound armor all you know, well, a guy, monstrous the,
0: amount of weight. The people were smaller, and I think the armor sets of armor full set of armor I think it was 70 or 80 pounds, maybe less. Yeah, but than I've seen pounds. the
1: drawings of the devices, they actually had cranes where they would drop oh, the yeah. knights on the top of these
0: massive horses. Yeah, they're lazy, you know, those medieval people. <laughs> Cranes, come on! We we're probably to start. We should, you know what? What we could probably have a good business making modern cranes for Americans just to get them around their house, <laughs> off the bed, onto oh, the couch. No. Onto the no!
1: Have you seen this show where it's like shows people where they're over like six hundred pounds?
0: No, you know I don't watch TV.
1: Oh my god! Oh, I saw an episode just out of pure curiosity. I'm like watching the first episode. And I know this is going to sound mean. I was pretty grossed out. I don't know if they were trying to gross you out on the amount of overweight. You know what I'm saying here? Obesity. The problem with some citizens we have here in the United States. And th- it looked like a horrifying, crippling handicap. And anyway, I don't yeah. recommend watching this show. But if no. you, out of curiosity, you could watch the first 15 minutes of the episode. and You get pretty much all of the episodes. You get the tone
0: of the episode. Yeah. Well, and kind of fortune fires kind of like that, too, but I just want to see more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, obviously, it is a crippling disability to be hugely overweight. They can't even... The one, lady in the first episode, when
1: she cooks dinner, which was crazy, the high calorie she was cooking. Anyways, she had to sit down to cook because her ankles... We're so in pain from her weight, her knees and every single joint hurts. So she has to actually sit down to do absolutely everything in the house because she's it's it's like me asking you, hey, do you mind carrying this 200 pound backpack on all day? Can you imagine? I don't want to. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, I want to appreciate I want to say I appreciate this yummy coffee you made me, but I just want a little. Yeah,
0: you went through it pretty quick. Well, let's let's get some fresh coffee. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Hi, this is Betsy. I want to tell you about the Children's Museum of Phoenix. If you're in Phoenix, planning to come to Phoenix, or just looking for something fun to do, check us out at the Children's Museum of Phoenix where you can come paint and climb and use your imagination. We're 100% fun and currently 100% outside. To find out more, visit us at childrensmuseumofphoenix.org. Hope to see you there. Have fun. Be
0: playful. You know, I was very thin five years ago, and I still am. I do it with Coca-Cola. Now for a lively lift. Cold Coca-Cola, there's no adding to the waistline. You know, it's about the same amount of calories as a half a grapefruit, especially with this individual-sized bottle. Mmm... Coke's a natural, of natural flavors. Only from not too sweet Coca-Cola. You know, Coca-Cola provides a live energy burst for those in-between meal times. A lot of quick energy. And a nice pleasant pause in a busy day. And don't forget, Coca-Cola is low in calories. Oh no, I better watch that I don't get too thin. <laughs>
1: So James, I'm driving here today for our coffee and I have noticed the growing number of murals and I love murals, but I've noticed your, now they've been happening all over Phoenix. And if you're not familiar with Phoenix, we have a place called Roosevelt Row where there's just tons of beautiful murals, but, but I've noticed your actual neighborhood. We're talking houses. seems like there are a lot of just small little walls
0: with murals on them. Oh now. yeah, we have a lot of brick walls uh, uh, for property boundaries. And we also have uh, a neighborhood that has alleyways, so the behind each set You're of kidding houses. in the alleys? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, some alleys here, That's kind of
1: weird though. We I'm
0: going to do do a mural and no one's going to see it yeah. except the trash man. We have some well, we have some weird alleys like Oak Street, which is a quiet street, but it's a long east-west corridor here in in Phoenix. Uh <laughs> At one point, it gets to looking be looking a l- little bit more English than American because it's so narrow you can barely get two cars. Oh, right, because it's. It's, it's an old, old part of town. But it's just, it's just no, it's just like. Two blocks worth of it, and in that area, it's kind of like an alley, but the the walls there are covered uh, with them. They're all over the place, and we have a couple of mural artists in in uh, in the in the in the neighborhood. And this is just Coronado, man. We we like uh, visual stuff. We like you know de- delving in, make making things colorful, making things lively.
1: And I appreciate. I have to tell you though, some of the uh, the artwork here, I didn't. I think I didn't notice it because it's it's not worthy of noticing. To be honest oh, with on, you, come on, be nice. Now, okay, so in in my mind the greatest thing about public art is that everybody shares it. it's part of the culture it kind of marks the, the 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 history a little bit and as they get older um it becomes a place where you can almost look back in time about what was going on in that community at that time when that mural was done but some of these around here i mean it's just pretty flowers it's, well it's, some of the flowers it's I, think,
0: I think you know i have a you know a, a better understanding of the area because i live here but a lot of it is also almost cartoony in that it's just yes it, it there it, it's off the wall stuff you can't really know you, there's no real understandable narrative to it um and i there's only one that i kind of i'm not really crazy about it's uh sheridan and well i i won't, I won't say exactly where but it's on sheridan um because it's like a weird alien thing, and it's not particularly a Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you know that one. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one's kind of bizarre. Yeah. But even that. You're, you're right, though. I never
1: noticed how cartoony some of them are, though.
0: Yeah, and there's it's almost, um, it's like a cross-between cartoon and graffiti, and there are a lot of different yeah. vibes going on there. That's so my it's favorite. Just, it's just looking, it's an, it's an opportunity to look inside someone's brain a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Now- which is a lot more interesting than most of the art. I mean, God, we could get, we could talk about art if you want to. Yeah, we could. We could. <laughs> um,
1: so I my kids go to school downtown at an art school, and it's not not for visual arts like we're talking about now. But my my point is is that we get to see a lot of Phoenix, <clears throat> and we've seen the murals popping up over the last I want to say really heavy in the last six years. Would you agree with that?
0: Well, I, I haven't been here as long as you have. I've been here for ten years, but uh, so well, there I've, used to I've be always, none when I was a kid. Hardly any. I, I've noticed that it was pretty mural laden since the beginning, since I got here. But in they're getting better time. and better and better. Like there's this
1: one, there's one way over on 19th Avenue near the canal, mm-hmm. and what it is, it's like this. It's it's a church, I believe. It's not. It doesn't look like a church, but I think it's a church, and it's actually 3D. So they took like parts of the building that had like the pipes that run up the site and they worked it into the mural. And it's like this 3d painted. It's very unusual. And it's got like the, uh, the, you know, the, the central American, uh, serpent in the front and it's, it's the whole building. It's, it's both bizarre, but yet very interesting. I wouldn't say it's beautiful, but it's very interesting to look at. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, these kinds of things, Uh, are they art? Well, I don't know because there's
1: one, um, there's one over on 24th and McDowell and it seems like just a big Phoenix basketball advertisement. They got like the Phoenix basketball logo in the center and they got fire. I think it's fire coming out of it and it's very cool looking, but to me it almost seems like it's just an ad.
0: Well, even the more or less ad like ones and I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate them at all. I'm just, I have a, I have a high bar for what I consider art. What is your definition of art, Christopher? Or do you want want me to give you mine?
1: Well, I'll start since you asked. Okay. So in my opinion, what art is, first of all, it's got to be, it's got to get you thinking. It's got to stir up some kind of emotion, but it's not like the guy, when you're driving on the freeway and some guy cuts you off and you get angry for a second, that's not art. But if you look at something that it's either a sculpture or like in London where they have those elephants, yeah, they have. Is <laughs> it an elephant parade? <laughs> yeah, it's just like okay. Disney. You know, yeah, Disney's the, taking over the planet. Well, no,
0: no, they're like fiberglass and a bunch of different artists yeah. paint them.
1: So they you look at it and you go, "Well, that's kind of bizarre." And but then you know later on the day you think about it again, and then maybe a week later you're like. Why were those elephants in London?
0: <laughs> well, if you still keep thinking about it, that's a good sign. And, yeah, that's and a that's good sign. I was specifically asking if they're, they're you know, these fiberglass. What? Well, because it's it's a popular.
1: Right, with the fiberglass cows and then right, they have right, everybody what? paint them different
0: or yeah, horses. The cows, I think uh, I think it was in Texas. Uh, the, it was called the Cow Parade. So I think they're called parades wherever they're. Oh, and each, I didn't get that. I'm each sorry. City, each city has a different a version of it like uh one city in we had one texas. Here in phoenix though yeah i'm sure they did um one city in phoenix did uh, not phoenix yeah one city in phoenix one city in texas did cowboy boots so there's huge oversized oh, cowboy yeah, boots yeah, yeah, and yeah. what i loved about it was that you could it was an art program so you could sign up and i you know i don't think they handed it out to anyone but i think you had to there was a limited number so there was you had to have some degree of Artistic merit to be able to get one to paint one, but the the city was you know littered with them. I didn't realize <laughs> in, in they in were called way. parades though. Well, I th- I, the cow parade was called the cow parade. I, don't, I, I see. Know, and I, I you know it's I don't know where it started.
1: It's a good idea though. I mean I've seen them in Boston uh, where you're just like on a wharf and all of a sudden you're like, huh,
0: there's an interesting and animal it, just painted. Spend, if you spend the day in, in any given city that has one of these ongoing, uh, you know you'll see a few of them through the city. So it kind of it, it's just a nice little pop right. well that's the great thing about about any community one, art that's what it does it kind of brings everybody together well and each one is done in a specific style of the artist so you get to see different different ways of interpreting it james what's your definition of art Uh-oh. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> are you gonna stringent. get intellectual on me man yes and no it, <laughs> my is my definition is both rigorous but also extremely open and it is first of all has to be made by a person because, believe it or not, there are some issues. There are there is debate about whether or not you know chimpanzees and elephants can make art. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stipulate right at the beginning. Oh, I gotta talk about elephants sometime. It's a thing. <laughs> its art is a thing made by a person that has a high degree of craft in its making and that generates or creates an emotional response in the viewer. Well, that's kind of that's I shouldn't say viewer because that that seems like it's it's pinholing it to de visual. Just, yeah, visual, which it's completely not. I
1: love textile exhibits.
0: <laughs> that's kind of like painting with with fabric, but the point is very specifically not specific at the end there because if you do anything really really well, you know, something imbued with craft that that in itself craft in itself is is a wonderful thing that shouldn't be discounted. And it's one of the things that annoys me. Is that people call things art if they're just really well crafted because they wanna they wanna make it sound better than you know they really wanna put it on a pedestal. It's not
1: so you're there's, you're saying there's a difference between high craftsmanship, which might be an artisan, but not necessarily a piece of art.
0: Right, right. Most art, almost all art, has to have a high degree of craft, but not all great craft has to be art. Yes. Oh my gosh, I totally agree with that. I, so
1: I love it when you go to like the mocha over there in um, in L.A., and they have, like, pieces of furniture that, that are obviously pieces of art that you could sit on. They're pieces of art. They're not... Even if the guy made a 100 of them or a 1,000 of them, uh, does that make it art? Well, no, not like, necessarily. Again, uh, Andy again, Warhol style? To, it has <laughs> to have an
0: emotional response to it, like a significant emotional response. And it doesn't have to be necessarily this specifically intended. Like, you don't have to create, I'm going to make this painting to make people feel the beauty of a sunset on a winter day. You know, it doesn't have to be really specific, but as long as you have the idea of trying to create some kind of emotional reaction. And the problem with visual arts, especially, or most arts, is that when you're doing it, when you're expressing it, you may have an idea of what you want to express, but you can't express it verbally. Otherwise, it's writing, which is another art form. So that's why, like, take painting, for instance. Uh, you, You may want to have an emotional response from that painting, but you can't verbalize it, so you can't really explain what you're talking about. And so, and it can also be different for different people, how they, how they, how they respond to it emotionally, but it has to have, you know, a pretty significant emotional impact. It can't just be a, oh, that's gross or, oh, that's kind of silly or whatever. You know, it has to have something, some gravitas to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. um, Though, to cut you off, uh,
0: (laughs) it doesn't, art doesn't have to have gravitas one of the one one field of art that I think is wildly underappreciated for being an art form is comedy I think comedy think about how you respond to comedy if you if you're a joke that you really like that you respond to you laugh you you have an uncontrollable response to by laughing and that is a strong emotional response
1: um you were talking about visual art um, I love exhibits uh, I think they're usually called like living exhibits or um, altering exhibits. And the art piece that I went to see was um, at a junior college I was attending years ago called El Camino College in Torrance, California. And in there was an upside down, huge, massively big, we're talking the size of like two cars, upside down ice pyramid. And in the pyramid were frozen pebbles. Now that hung from the ceiling upside down. And then below it, there was just a square that captured the melting water. And then I don't know if you played pickup sticks when you were a kid, but basically it was like all these sticks and they were all probably about eight to 10 feet long and they were kind of maybe longer, 12 feet long. And they were kind of just going all different directions. And so here is the experience. You walk outside, you, you, you're you outside and you walk in and immediately it's cold. So you feel the temperature change. Then your eyes see this, this piece of art and then your ears hear the dropping of the water and then once in a while, a pebble drops and it chaotically bounces around the sticks and it makes almost like a wood chime uh. music. And so you feel it you see it, and you hear it. it. It hits three senses. All I needed to do was lick the ice, and I could have been like all my senses. <laughs> did you lick the ice? I did not. It was too Good. high.
0: Oh, no, that's too bad.
1: <laughs> if it was taste, it would be funny if they would have t- flavored it with like blueberry Kool-Aid. <laughs> so that,
0: that probably, um, igno- trying to ignore the blueberry part of it, <laughs> sounds like what we call installation art, uh, and it sounds like a, a, a better installation of installation art because installation art is usually pretty droll. Oh, you don't like it? No, I, I said installation art typically is pretty droll because it's so preconceived. It's so... But this one
1: was so cool is that it? it what was yeah, neat no, is that, that that one just, changes well, every time it, you see it well, slightly. Also,
0: it, all, it, it creates an environment. It creates <clears> a complete <throat> environment. And I'm, I'm thinking... Uh, So I don't have a lot of tolerance for things like that. But, you know, without seeing it, I don't know if it's not you made it sound evocative.
1: It was really cool. Let's just say this. Do you know the artist? The reason I consider it art is I saw that when I was 18. Think about all those years ago and I still think about it. I mean, it it was that kind of a piece. Uh, I'm sorry, just really quickly. Have you been into the museum here at Phoenix where they have that exhibit with the little lights, So it looks like there's fireflies. And then because the way the mirrors are set up, it looks like an infinite amount of fireflies and you walk through kind of this this boxy form. Have you seen that yet? I don't think so, but then I don't go to see art.
0: Oh. Why not? Because uh, I'm too lazy. No, it can't be laziness. Really? The art has to come to me. I used to be a gallery owner, bro. Yeah, I know. I, may, I, I make it come to me. <laughs> Yeah, well, so f- I was going to say, as far as he, do you remember the artist who did that installation of the the ice? The ice? No, I was thing? just a stupid kid. I
1: all I did, no, I fair. went there, and I, let's just say this: I loved it so much. I went back the next day mm-hmm. to see how far the progress of the ice had made, and that itself was really neat because now we're getting to a wider span. Of the pyramids, Mm -hmm. so now the rocks are falling really quick, and so the exhibit changed from one day to the next day. It it was an amazing exhibit.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I I had a similar uh, experience when I was in college with an artist named James Terrell, and he is he is very much of a similar ilk, and he has installation pieces, but he goes he 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 creates environments. You know, this particular one that I that I, I went into, I didn't really know anything about it before I went into it, but it was just. A dark room in the basement. It was a large room, probably at least twenty feet by twenty feet. And on the opposite wall from the entrance, and this is a very—it's dimly lit. There's just what looks like a big purple flat painting. It's probably ten feet by thirty, not thirty feet. And where's that not, again? This was this was in the college I went to. Oh, okay. Uh, in Rhode Island. Thing was, you know, it was it was a very it was a very nice calming space. But to me, that that doesn't make art. Um, what made it art was not only the the sense, he really brought it to another level of just using lighting to create a a sense of atmosphere. But what really pushed it over the edge for me was as I got closer and closer to this purple painting again, it's just like a flat block of color. So you know, that's not that creative, right? Right. So you you pick the color and whatnot, but it just, there was something, there was a depth to it that it was hard to describe. Hard to, hard to really focus on. And I figured that was just because of the, it was in a dark room and, the, you know, he had manipulated the lighting to the point where it was, you know, just really well balanced. I get closer and closer and closer to it. And then I reach my hand out to touch the painting, which you're not supposed to do. Right. right. You know, I'm, I'm not good at rules <laughs> and my hand doesn't touch anything. <gasps> it was an illusion. It's a hole in the wall. This is, a, it's a rectilinear hole in the wall. That if you just look at it from the outside, it looks like a flat plane of purple, but it's backlit in such a way that it looks like a flat plane, but it's not. And so I stick my head back there <laughs> and I can see the lights and I can see something. But, you wanted to learn how it all worked. But that that's the moment of, you know, reaching your hand out and, it, you know, going into another plane of existence. Well, that's funny you said you wanted to touch it because you're
1: not allowed to touch things at museums for for. A thousand reasons, but when you do your own pieces of work, so once upon a time, I used to paint a lot, and obviously you're a painter, people would say to me, can I touch it? And my answer consistently always, absolutely, I want you to touch. I want you to feel. I took time to put texture on the canvas to create a visual illusion, but I love to touch everything, so. (laughs) I'm sure that, could we make a list of things you love to touch? (laughs) Uh, Not on this broadcast, (laughs) but I love to touch my own paintings and feel like, so say I'm doing an ocean because I'm not that great of an artist, I just do sceneries and I'm doing an ocean in a wave. I love to feel the white that I put on the canvas. You can't see me on the on the <laughs> audio, but my hand is in the air pretending like I'm touching. Because <laughs> when I paint, I, I also try to make the can, the, the, the actual paint feel like a solid form of what that way would be like. And so uh, when people want to touch it, I'm like, yeah,
0: do it. <laughs> you yeah, know, I want to make clear, I don't generally go around touching things, but there was something about this particular piece that kind of drew me into it. And, and it reminds me of another story when I was in college. Um, one of the curators, curators of the museum, and this is the Rhode Island School of Design Museum. So it's pretty much a world-class museum in and of itself, uh, the curator, one of the curators, curators was talking to one of the classes I was in and she was talking about uh, uh, an artist that they, they have a piece in their permanent collection, which is not on display. Because you go in a museum, they have a permanent collection. Uh, well, they have they have lots of stuff that is not on display. They have more stuff in storage than than actually on display. So they were talking about uh, this one artist who made a book, which is not uncommon. Artists do that. Uh, And and the curator was talking to the artist about it one day and says, do you, do you want us to put this out so people can leaf through it and, you know, really experience the book? He's like, no, I don't want them to touch it because that will degrade it. And, you know, the oils in their hands. Right, right. Like museums. And I was so disgusted by that on several levels. First of all, what, what's the point of making it if, if you don't want anyone to see it? And secondly, why do you think you're that important that your art has to last? <laughs> that your art has to last forever. I mean, first of all, it doesn't. And you know, art is in my mind is more ephemeral. Well,
1: it's you, you always think it I always think it interesting when you go to like bronze sculptures and you see the one shiny spot what everybody wanted to touch. Oh, yeah. Cause that becomes almost part of the piece. That part of the artwork was so important that people felt the need to touch and that particular spot, which sounds provocative itself, but um Well, once again, this, this is why I think public art is so cool because it brings communities together. And when you touch something, I'm thinking, wow, I wonder how many people must have touched that in order to wear that down to a shiny spot. Um, it, it, it kind of creates a, a place where you have now a common bond with everybody in the area. It creates, it creates a nexus for the culture. And that's, and that's what's so great about public art. And I keep pushing the public art thing because of the murals um, is. For example, is in Phoenix. There's this uh, one mural um, over near McDowell, and it's it's very Arizona-ish, right? So it has like a Native American, and then um, and it's kind of hidden. It's no nowhere special. <laughs> so I think it's on the side of a an All old of Phoenix is special. Yes, absolutely. But anyways, it's it's basically on the side of a little cafe in the middle of an area where there's a lot of industrial stuff going on, and there's this Native American. And I look at it and I go, yeah, that says Phoenix. That says Arizona to me. That says history. Um, the Native Americans in this city um, are everywhere, and a lot of people don't even recognize them. Um, you're talking about the people or the Phoenix? Cultures? Yeah, there's tons of Native Americans in Phoenix, and and, and if you're non- if you're not a Native American, if you're not, you know, what's so funny? Uh, I like to say uh, Native American, American Indian. I mean, that's what
0: that's what I grew up calling the people in Phoenix. You know, American Indians, and yeah, I've I've had some exposure to this issue about. American Indians would prefer to be called, and uh, I understand their 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 desire totally. I think the the most reasonable uh, request they have of us, <laughs> whiteies, uh, is to call them by their tribe name, which makes the most sense That's to me. That's tricky. though. You know, I don't know. I don't know. The, I don't. I just don't know the tribes because I'm ignorant of it. And you know, I put it in context of you know, Europe is made up of a lot of small countries. We don't just call them all Europeans. Generally, sometimes we do. I but do. Generally, we call them... <laughs> There's a term called Eurotrash. <laughs> yeah, well, and I love that term. And there's a whole song about it. Euro, my Eurotrash girl. I, I shouldn't be laughing. Now I'm
1: going to get hate mail from all the Europeans that live here. Bring it so, on. So, which are my friends. Well,
0: no, we'll live here. We have we have listeners all over the world. The Europeans are hearing you right now. Um,
1: in Europe. <laughs> but you can't call Native Americans or American Indians by their tribe because it's just like anything else. You might get it wrong. Well, because no, I, you, I, it's I hard. Once, once you know. Oh yeah, I mean, once we, you know. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Once you know, for example, there's a lot of Navajo that live here in Phoenix. So, uh, but another problem is because the tribes now are starting to intermix, especially in Metro Phoenix area. So you might get somebody that's um, maybe half Apache or half Mojave or half. Um, you you no, know, know, the Colorado it's, River tribe is okay, specifically what I'm right. talking about, fine, but, and and they all mix. So then then what do you say? They're just. Americans well, that, sure that happen to have ancestry that went back well, 1,000 plus you,
0: years. Yeah, but that's individual people. If you're talking about the culture or a center or something like that. Anyway, anyway I think we're getting off to the topic. <laughs> but anyways,
1: going back to the artwork, it's kind of cool. And I love all the artwork here in Phoenix that kind of talks about uh, what our history here. For example, is a lot of the murals are very Hispanic themes with, with Aztec motifs mixed into them. But the bizarrest thing I think about Phoenix, there are a lot of murals that deal with um, Day of the Dead, which is a, a Mexican and Mexican American uh, day or or time dealing with Catholicism, and so there is a lot of skull like <laughs> murals around phoenix which makes it seem dark but because they're so brilliantly colored they're very attractive they don't they're not a downer they're a plus plus day of the dead's not supposed to be a downer anyways yeah i
0: think everybody's familiar with day of the dead and are they i think so it's i mean i knew about it before i came out here anyway um yeah public art i don't always think of it as art uh you know public statue doesn't have to necessarily be art because it doesn't really make me feel anything except it, i guess in a way it makes me it might make you feel more connected to the the city or the place and it's a marker, right? It's like a public marker in some ways. And there was one, I remember I was in Las Vegas. I think this was the Wynn Hotel. Right. So there's this piece at the Wynn by, uh, I hate saying his name, Jeff Koons. He's one of the top. Why do you hate saying his name? I just don't like him. <laughs> oh, you don't like him? Or you don't like well, the his, his work is, is ridiculous. Oh, it's, wow. it's not worth talking about. But I mean, in, in this one instance, um, it's an oversized Popeye. It's like. 15 feet tall, maybe. And it's, you know, just straight out of the old cartoon, Popeye. But he's twisted the color a little bit so that it's, you know, Popeye's colors, but each color has like 20% gold in it, so it's a bit more lustrous. It's almost... It's Almost like, 3D-ish. It's not go- oh, no, it's it's 3D. It's it's a fiberglass. It's oh, a huge oh, 15-foot Oh, no, fiberglass. I've seen that. Where oh, is yeah. that? It's in the wind, or at least the one. It may be in multiple where? places. The wind Hotel in Las Vegas. Oh, that's where I've seen it. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting piece. Is it art? I don't really think it's art because it doesn't make me think of anything, but it's just, it you know occupies the space nicely. It's a cartoon from our nostalgic past with a little bit of a twist to it. Um, but, th- you know, this is the part of the art that drives me crazy. And if... You're the kind of person who doesn't really understand art or questions its value. Jeff Koons and people like him are the reason why you question art because he makes things. He's not really an artist. He's a con artist. Cuz the things he does, he does that. Is that like Kincaid? No, no. Kincaid was a good salesman. He, you know, they 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 share Thomas Kincaid, which the the painter of life yeah, yeah. who has a, actually had his own galleries throughout. I've been to quite a few of yeah. them
1: all over the United
0: States. Um, they're both great salesmen, but at least Kincaid is a, also a decent illustrator. And when I look at a Kincaid painting, not that I go out of my way to look at them, but I can see exactly what he's trying to illustrate to me. So he's a, he's a great illustrator. You know, he has a nice pleasant scene of a, like a little grove with in the, in the twilight yeah, no, no, like candles the, and, and the and, light on this
1: little buildings and houses. It's like a Hallmark card.
0: They are like all my cards. (laughs) Um, But Jeff Koons is is the top of the art world. And his pieces are so vapid that they have no, no emotional impact. And the reason he's popular is because he's very good at marketing. So he convinces people, he convinces rich people who have no taste that he is art. And so he sells them the art. And the problem with this is, it's, you know, hey, you know, do whatever you can do. That's fine. I don't have any problem with it, generally speaking. But in this case, what it does is it. The art world, the gallery world, the entrenched art society is rotten from the top down because the, it starts with the Jeff Koons of the world and the Damien Hirsts of the world, who is a guy, Damien Hirst being a, a London-based artist who, who whose first major piece was putting a six-foot shark, dead shark, into a vat of, not turpentine, what's that called?
1: You're talking about when they put it in the uh, alcohol? Uh,
0: in the alcohol, but... Um, Putting a dead shark in a tank in a gallery. That was his, his, his big breakthrough art, uh, quote, quote, art. But anyway, my point being is that these guys are just, they're they're, they're hus- hucksters, but everybody looks up to them in the art world because they're the successful artists. So they're trying to replicate what these guys are doing. Yeah, you've talked about this before with me, not on the show.
1: And I almost feel like um, when they're just trying to do stuff to get public attention... Sometimes I think they get lucky and it, it is a piece of work uh, artwork. Um, well, yeah, I, I get what it, you're saying, but that thing with the shark you were just saying disgusts me, but yet at the same time no one's really done it before done it before and No, I have done it before. By your if very you definition across, you it is a piece London, of art. It bothers you to see it. So no, by no, that no, but definition
0: that's, the, that's exactly my point about being careful about the emotional response that you're trying to engender. Because he's not trying to engender me being annoyed that his artwork is considered good, even though it's not. That's like, what kind of emotion is that? <laughs> oh,
1: I got a question, and it relates to to your definition. And I'm not trying to degrade your definition or challenge it. Go ahead, let's so it down. My question is this: What if a human being? Because you said human, elephant, and chimpanzee art is not art, which I I would. Uh, We'll go, that's, I want to go into elephant art someday because I love elephant art.
0: <laughs> okay, let, let's get moving.
1: Which is why What's the London question? exhibit probably appeals to me. Anyways, what if a human being creates a computer and that computer generates the art? Is They're that art? That now.
0: They're doing that now and that's a good question. It so, is, where, so where does that fall in your definition? You know, what I've been seeing so far is there are some artists that have been playing for decades now with uh, generated art. The the thing with it though is that they're still curating what comes out of the computer. There's a local artist uh, who does that and he creates some beautiful work, but he's still he's 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 working the algorithm. First of all, he's tweaking the algorithm, constantly tweaking the algorithm, and then he basically curates what comes out. So he doesn't show everything. Yeah. So there's still some curation there, but when we get to a better level of artificial intelligence, there's an idea that it could make art itself, and I, I don't know what to do with. Uh, that. Well, well, here's an example: is so. Um, years
1: ago, it still might be there, uh, it's uh, L.A. Museum, Art Museum, which is next to the La Brea Tar Pits. They used to have, for years, like I think probably two dozen, maybe three dozen televisions, and they put them all together, and those televisions made, like, an American flag, and the flag was waving, and then they would do the skies, and that was, like, tech art, right?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, well... But what would you call it? Well, it's not a, Oh, you it, it call it installation art. art. It could be art. If, if it rises to a level of, you know, having a genuine emotional response to it. Or it could just be a, a craft, right? Because you're taking different elements and expertly welding them together into, uh, you know, an expertly crafted thing. Well... So then I get
1: into like computer art where you have computers. I remember years ago uh, they were starting these programs where they had computers generating its own music. So there's certain rules in Western music that generally apply to most music that we listen to. So you put in those rules and then you put in a randomizer and out comes this music. And, um, and they've started experimenting, believe it or not lightly 50s, heavily in the 60s, more in the 70s and it kind of disappeared. And then it re surfaces from time to time. And I I've heard these pieces created by computers before and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. I wouldn't I wouldn't listen to it over and over again, but you know, sounds like music. Yeah. <laughs> but I would never say Wow, that's that is a piece of art. There's a lot of music in the world, but it's not all art. Yeah, and I'm saying is, I have not yet heard heard anything generated by a computer that, like you said, stirs up any emotion with some memories and some some like personal connection. And maybe it's just because I haven't heard enough of it. But that's how I kind of feel about computer art. It it I feel like the person that d- uses a computer as a tool can create
0: art pieces, but not necessarily a computer generated well, I, I think that gets into a larger conversation about consciousness and can you replicate consciousness? But uh, I need to take a little bit of a break here. Yeah. We'll come right back to this so I promise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I just really want to quickly tell you about a product that I use at my house. It's it's called Perfection Floor Tile. It's a do-it-yourself product. So it's great right now because you can do it at your own home at your own time. You don't have to wait for a contractor. It just kind of locks together. It's this beautiful square vinyl tile. And what's great about it, it's a little bit softer than most tiles. So it's really great on your feet, especially if you're a guy like me who sits on the phone at work all day or in his home office pacing back and forth. Um, You can find it all kinds of places. It's available at hardware stores and home improvement stores. It's perfection floor tile. Go ahead and check it out. It's absolutely beautiful.
0: Thank you, James. Yeah. Okay. So just trying to wrap this up. With the uh, Damien Hirst and his dead shark pet pet shark. Well, I want to tell you my shark story okay, first, James. And, all right, we can do that first. So we can. <laughs> I can wrap up. Do you want me to wrap up my shark? No, you, I want to tell you shark. my shark story. This doesn't happen. <laughs> this doesn't involve a guy in cut off shorts jumping over. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh! There's this. Sh- anyways, there's a show I saw where this poor guy had his arm eaten off by a shark. Anyways, um, so. Um, because I go to London from time to time and um, because I have family there, there is a road you can take. I think it's called the M2 and it goes from London to Oxford. Now, just before you get to Oxford, there is a stop I make almost all the time and here is what it is. There's this little teeny village and in this little village is a little teeny road and it has these beautiful like like fairy tale style houses with the, the little uh, wooden shingled roofs and the and the perfectly done English gardens in the front. Timber framed houses. Yes, so much, uh, they yeah. are. It's so beautiful. They're so fun. And, and you really get a feel for what England really is. And when I mean England, I mean England, not the UK. On the roof of one of these houses is a giant probably 50 foot or bigger shark coming out of the top of one of these very cute little cottage-like houses and you see the destruction of the roof where it came through and on the side of the wall you see where the wall started to crack where the shark came through and this guy, somebody, the, the guy who built this shark... <laughs> has been in the news for years because he built it without a permit and he refuses to take it down. theres I have a book, actually, because someone had heard that I make the stop every time I drive by this village to go see the shark. I've actually owned a book about the shark and its history and who did it. It's hilarious. So my question to you, James, is... Is
0: that art? I can't tell you because I haven't seen it. <laughs> Based on what I said. It could be, but like I said, it's all in the experience and without experiencing, I can't give, you know, I can't give you a valid response. Oh, I find it humorous because first of all,
1: this is not like a English town near the water, okay? If it was near the water, I go, oh, I get it. But it's not. It's like it's in the middle of a big huge farm style, like you typically see stone wall farming community out in the middle of nowhere and then you I have mean, this giant shark.
0: If it's the kind of thing where you go and see it year after year and every time you laugh at it, that is clearly art. <laughs> that is, you know, this that's that's my favorite
1: art. Art. My art that makes me laugh is my favorite art. Not that, <laughs> art that
0: makes you cry is supposed to be the best I art. I don't like part. to cry, James. What do, you, what do you think is the best art form? What do you mean by art form? Like, like sculpture versus painting? Painting, versus- sculpture, film, comedy, cuisine. Can I be honest with you? Mm-hmm. um i
1: really enjoy art with sharks <laughs> especially if it involves fonzie and water skis no that's fair <laughs> james so tell me more about this uh shark it sounds like you
0: have a lot of emotion oh. tied to it no, it's, not, it's, not, no, it's, it's it's judgment it's not, i don't know if that's really i mean i guess that's emotional but it's again that was damien Hurst. and i got the had the luck of being able to see it pretty much when it was new. I was there in 92, and I think that's about when it was created. So it's it's a shark in a tank of formaldehyde, dead shark in a tank of formaldehyde. And and one of the things is, yes, this is an interesting thing. And 100 years before that, if you'd gone across town to the National History Museum, this would have been, you know, a crowd pleaser. Crowds would have come from all across Europe to see it. And that's kind of my point. It's not really a work of art. It's something you would see in the Natural History Museum. Right. Is, is everything in the natural history museum also artwork? No, but I think it's the fact that they took it out of element. That's what makes right. it here's art. I'm thing. not saying here's, here's it is art. I'm just saying thing.
1: that's why people thought it was art, because it was out of its element. Yeah, that's not enough. That was, the th- it th- reminds me of those, you said Europe, like when they wrap those. What's that guy that wraps the Christo? building? Oh uh, God, wraps the buildings of, of, up. Do you, do you appreciate his work? The first two, yes. <laughs> I I, I always <laughs> the hundreds after, no. I always
0: thought it was really dumb.
1: <laughs> Especially the
0: one uh, where you know he has basically a wall that he's, he's. It's called wrapping wind or something dumb like that. It was just so silly. <laughs> I've been waiting for pointless. you to use the word dumb on art. Dumb. <laughs> dumb, dumb. I have a lot of places I can use dumb. Anyway, so this is the thing. What is the medium that he's working? At? <laughs> yeah, I'm canvas. It doesn't matter that you can't blowing name it, canvas. In, in this case, it took me a long canvas and time. rope. It took me. Well, there's no canvas. It's a dead shark. Oh, oh, no! I'm, I'm not, sorry. I'm sorry. Back to Damien Hurst. Oh, sorry. And yeah, his yeah. shark. And his pet shark. His dead pet shark. <laughs> um, I, I think I should. I, I'm going to tweet. Is that, that shark out still
1: around? Before. Can we still go look at it all these years later? And no. Is it like decaying? Can you? Is it. Is, Is it, it like falling well, here's apart? The thing.
0: He did such a bad job of the orig- of the initial installation that it did start to decay. And then the gallery, apparently he blames the gallery, but uh, you know what, whatever. It has to. They, they tried <laughs> cleaning it out and it didn't work. So it did eventually decay. And so oh, they took the skin God. and they wrapped it over uh, an armature of some kind. So And he looked at it after the gallery did. The gallery did this, not the artist. So who's making the work? <laughs> uh, and he's like, well, it just doesn't look as scary. So when it was eventually sold years later for untold millions of dollars, 1000000 I'm sorry, pounds because it's in London. Uh, he, I don't, I, yeah, they actually redid it. They remade it. He remade it with a new shark. That's so it's not the original shark. It's hey, a, it's I a don't want to, you
1: said something in passing and I have a friend who does historical art, um, restoration. Yeah. And she is, uh, in charge of several galleries throughout, uh, the UK. And one of them happens to be in Oxford. Uh, one of them happens to be in Oxford. Anyways, um, that's almost an artisan in itself. Oh, it's a craft. And so... Well, there might
0: be an art to it. I don't know.
1: Well, okay. So fair. either way, I just don't want to... Those people that do that, like the whoever had to try to fix that shark exhibit, I think, my God, I'm glad the gal that I know didn't have to deal with a dead well, carcass. She wouldn't do doing paint.
0: Why in the world would she? This is not something for an art historian or a <laughs> conservist, conservist to, to deal with. It, yeah. it, you, you call animal control. All right.
1: Now, here's something I got to ask you, too, because I got kind of a funny thing about this. So, obviously, there's pieces of art all over Greece that have nudes, all right? Yeah. And, and I appreciate that. But what about now when people start doing, um, like, the giant, if I may say the word, the giant v- vagina? You know, I've seen, it's, like, been a trend now for 20 years. Whenever longer. you happen to be a woman artist, you are obligated oh, to do some kind of a piece that has a giant that vagina. That is not even
0: remotely true. I don't um, know where you're name of a-
1: name or think of a famous, well-known female artist that has not done the vagina. Okay. Women don't do art. You know that. Have you not seen the art world? The top artists are all male, which is why they need to do the vagina. It's like not, I need to, it's like your nonsense. shark thing. Do I that. need to be recognized. I'm a talented I'm a talented female. I'm a talented artist. I have a lot of skill. I do really great work. And the only way I can get started is if I do a giant vagina.
0: So you, <laughs> when, you, when you look at O'Keefe's work, when you look at her paintings, all you see is vagina. Um, because they're flowers, <laughs> and they're valleys, and they're carcass or not carcasses, they're they're skulls. There's no vaginas in there. Okay, so anyway. you got me right. I won. Whatever. Am I getting? Are we getting a hate, mail, talk about hate mail? Hate mail for my
1: vagina comment? Well, you're getting it now. Well, I gotta, I gotta think. I'm completely pushing back on this. I well, think once upon a time, so I think you're in the 70s, doing phallic thing was like a thing. You know, it's always a thing, Christopher. It's not. Yes, it is. No. Oh. Just because something is long and obscure does not necessarily mean it's phallic. Now, no, no, some no, pieces the, are purposely I, I, I done to be phallic. I listened
0: but, to a podcast about this a few weeks ago, and- it was not really. A listen, I think it was a TikTok. You actually. listened to a podcast about I know it wasn't a it, was a it was a subject. It was like <laughs> penises. Listening, it's like
1: listening <laughs> I to said sh- it the P word, <laughs> I said the V word and the P
0: word all within a few minutes. <laughs> this is why it takes us an hour to get through it. Chris, because I still haven't finished the Damien Hurst story. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I think we should just call it quits now because there's just nothing we can do to follow up on that. <laughs> All right. Hey, James, I do want to hear the rest of your story, but I
1: am out of coffee. Do you yeah, want to finish? I think I, I'm done. <laughs> hey, uh,
0: I want to just say thanks for having me over again. I would say you're welcome, but I'm a little annoyed <laughs> at you now. I think you need to take your vaginas and your penises and go home. <laughs> thanks anyways, James. Shut up and go. All right. Bye-bye.
1: If you'd like to contact Heatstroke, go to heatstrokepodcast.com. Don't you see me? Peek-a-boo. Don't you feel me? It's morning dew. All I want yes. is a cup. Yes. A very large cup. Yes. In my hand. Yes. A large cup. Hot. Warm. Oh. Cup. It's not tea. And it must be dark, dark brown. Oh, it's it very, brown. brown. Make it hot. Make it hot. Make it
0: very, very hot. Coffee. E-Stroke is brought to you by Markers in Motion.